this was my first lesson that, and I, and I talk about this to today, and especially with the groups that we work with with Get Burly. There's two things that happen in life. There are stories that are told to you, and there are the stories that you tell yourself. Mm -hmm. And when, you're, when you decide to be the narrator of your own life, and you don't listen to the naysayers, you find a way to ignore that, and you tap into your indomitable will, it's unbelievable what you could accomplish. So we'll just, we'll say, we'll just say that that was my mindset. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dr. Lyle McKaylee, amazing doctor over at Boston Children's, one of the best in the area. You know, that's kind of what, you know, he's just being honest based on the medical diagnosis. That's what it was. And uh, I said, I just said, no, like that's not gonna be. <laughs> Unacceptable. Yeah, that's not an option. So I trained like an absolute animal. I found every way I could. When I would go to rehabilitation, I would finish my training session and then I would ask, what time do you guys close? I said, why? Do you mind if I stay in the background and do all the exercise you just showed me until they would close? So my appointment would be at say six o'clock, finish at seven, they'd be open till 10 and I would just stay in the back until it closed. And the, you know, this is like my sophomore year. So they're like, this is kid, what is this? 15 year old kid. So, but it was just, it was just, I, that's not, it wasn't what I was gonna write for myself. All right, here we go. Podcast number five, the premier podcast powered by Premier Mortgage Lending. Connecting community to success. All right, everyone. So our guest today um, is uh, I, just having this conversation. We're just having be behind the scenes. Uh, I just wish we were recording it. But this guy just has done it all. I mean, he's, uh, he's been a coach at Alpha Warrior, SGX, SGX coach at Spartan, powered by High Elite. And last but not least, uh, founder and CEO of Gert Burley. Here we go, Mike Karen. All right, Mike, welcome. Thank you for coming today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Get Burley, and, and how we can help people. Yeah, That's the goal. No doubt. So it's great to be here. Um, just for your audience, uh, Mike, I just, just want to let them know that I'm, uh, I feel lucky to, to be able to call Mike a friend. We've known each other for a very long time, and um, it's really cool to be able to be here today and to reconnect. Um, with somebody that's just kind of out there crushing life right now and you know it's all about <clears throat> surrounding yourself with um, with people that can lift you up and inspire you and you know I've been been able to kind of follow your journey from afar a little bit um, one of the benefits of social media there's two sides to social media but I think one of the uh, one of the real benefits is to to be able to um, you know to follow people from afar and be inspired by people and so just kind of happy to be here. I think it's great that you want to, you know, connect community and, and add value to your audience. I think it's cool that, you know, I think you're separating yourself within your industry by, you know, going above and beyond and finding ways to continue to add value to not just to your clients, to the community. And I, I you know, I, I respect that a great deal. Um, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, I think that's what it's all about is finding ways to add as much value as, as humanly possible. So, I'm really excited to be here. So I want to start off by saying that, talk a little bit about you guys first. Um, and I'm just here to to try to help, you know, build that value for your community in, in any way that I can. Yeah, I mean, the <clears throat> what started this was Juan and I, you know, Juan and I listened to a lot of other podcasts and read a lot of books. And, you know, as you said, which was pretty cool, I'm, I'm happy you're sitting here in front of me. I haven't seen you in, I think, probably 17 or 18 years. Yeah. And, um, you know, watching your journey, too. You know, and everything that you've done and how you've grown, get burly. It's been an inspiration to me. And that's why when we had a little bit of back and forth, I was like, we got to get Mike on. This is going to be awesome. Because, awesome. because from everything that, like I was saying, we, we listen to and we read, it's all about, um, you know, showing people what's possible, what you can really do. Because I think there's so much more potential in every single person than, than people really think that they have. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And sometimes they just need to be told what what 
not even told what they can do, but get an understanding in their own minds of really what's what's potentially possible. Yeah. Well, that's what that's one of the things that we do at Get Burly. I was very blessed to have been able to complete a coaching program called Seal Fit Basic Training Certification. Okay. So I spent some time with Lieutenant Commander Mark Devine, who founded a company called Seal Fit. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's written um, two books. Well, actually more than two books, but his two big ones are Unbeatable Mind and Seal Fit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've always been a firm believer in, you know, surrounding yourself with the best of the best, which I know is a concept right. that you've discussed on this podcast um, at length. And so I just went out there. You know, right. I wasn't sure if I was actually going to have a chance to meet him or not, but it's like fortune favors the brave and well-prepared, so just go for it. So I just went out to Encinitas and showed up at the door fit of SealFit and um, was able to, you know, sit down and have a two-hour conversation with them and get some FaceTime, which, you know. So you just went for it. You didn't, you just said, I'm going, and yep. that's what I'm doing. Yep. You had this idea, nothing stopped you. Yeah, just... I read his books. I've been listening to his podcast. It's just some, you know, you find people in your life that you want to gravitate towards, you want to learn from, you want to be like. And, you know, for me, that's one of the, he's one of those people. And, you know, I just, I believe in the power of connection. I believe in the power of intention. I believe in being very deliberate about yep. setting your path in life and going for it. And, um, you know, when I, when I went out, I was able to spend some time with them, tell them a little bit about who I was in my company. And the reason I'm even bringing this up is because mm-hmm. one of the concepts I was able to learn from him spending, and we ended up spending a lot of time together. We were able to work on a project up in Vermont and another project out in uh, Washington State. And he really helped me to understand what he calls the 20x factor, which is something that SEALs have to learn to believe to get through BUDS, to get through Hell Week, to get through the things that that they, the difficult, uh, adverse situations that they are faced with. And so what he taught me was this concept that we're we're 20 times more capable than what we think we are across all domains of life. we're 20 times more capable mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and intuitionally. Mm-hmm. And those are the five mountains that, that he talked about in terms of like overall development. I learned a great deal from that, and it, it really helped me in the early stages of the development of my company, surrounding myself with, with a mentor like that and, and really kind of wrapping my mind around exactly what it is that I wanted to do. So I guess I'll bring it full circle now to answer your original question about right. what, you know, what, what exactly is. And so the... The word burly itself means strong, sturdy, and well-built. Yeah. Okay. So if you just look up yep. textbook definition, that's what it means. So w- what we want to do is we want to develop strong, sturdy, and well-built individuals and teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're talking about developing strength from the inside out. We're talking about developing mental toughness, emotional resiliency. We're talking about developing something I call obstacle immunity, so that when adversities and challenges, fa- you know, you're faced with uh, uh, adversities and challenges in life, you have the tools in your toolkit to not just sort of meander through them, but to fucking crush them. Right, because they're always going to come. They're always coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And so a big concept for us is to treat failure as fertilizer, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, not crap, something to learn from, something to grow from, and to fail forward fast. So you make a mistake. You learn from it, you move forward, and you do it fast. Okay. You know, I, I remember hearing Mike talk, uh, uh, I think it was on the first introductory podcast, about yep. when things get difficult and things don't go your way, give yourself a window. That exactly. window might be two hours, that window might be a day, but then after that, you're, like, you're done with it. So you're, on. you're moving on. And so we want to help equip people. That's, that's, that's the brand. That's what we're all about. We're a lifestyle brand. You know, we're a positive brand. We get our message out through 
uh, our team building and leadership development programs that we run. We also run just basic empowerment programs. My wife just started a series that we're now doing women empowerment retreats as well. So we work with teams, you know, and it's funny because people are like, well, what kind of teams? And I'm like, any business that you have, I don't care right. if you're a solo exactly. printer, you're mm -hmm. a team, you're part of a team. No one can do it alone. So athletic teams, corporate teams, groups of people that are working together to achieve common goals. And we get them to understand the importance of learning how to rely and depend on each other and being strong for each other because there's so much more you can accomplish when you work together to achieve common goals. And, you know, it's interesting in, in being able to train with some of the SEALs and going through some of their programming. When you're faced in these crazy adverse situations, what, which they put, they put me through, <laughs> you learn to put your attention on somebody else. So you might be dealing with the toughest, most difficult, physical, mental challenge you've ever been a part of. And when you learn to help a brother, when you learn to say, I'm not going to feel bad about myself. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. It's not about you anymore, right? No, I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to find a way to help somebody else. And all of a sudden you I just like get it. through it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You just get through it because you're thinking about the larger mission. It's bigger than just you. Yep. And so, you know, those are some of the ways in which we help, you know, teams come together to forge a stronger identity, to develop a culture, you know, in a corporate organization, a culture that's, you know, you think about, you know, we talk about the Patriots often because we're in New England and the whole idea of do your job. But at the end of the game, just hearing everybody saying to each other, like, I love you. You right. know, these grown, yeah. strong men. And that's one of the cool things about training with the SEALs is, like, ultimately the duality of man. I mean, you have these people that are, like, the biggest, strongest, toughest guys you could ever meet, but they're the most soft-spoken, kindest gentlemen. You know, shake your hand, look you in the eye, and, you know, really support and care about you. Challenge you to become the best version of yourself, but support you through through the process. And, and that was really cool for me. And, um, you know, like I said, it was, it was a, I would say, very instrumental in the early stages of the development of the company. So... You know, we try to help as many people as possible through as many avenues as possible, right. develop strength from the inside out, so that when these challenges that are inevitably going to come, come, we're able to get through it clearly. We're able to surround ourselves with people that are hunting on the same mission as us. We're able to understand this concept that we are the sum of the five people that we spend the most time with, and we're going to choose those people very wisely. We're going to keep our circle tight. Okay. And, you know, another, another concept that resonates very deeply with us is it's based on the old Cherokee parable, the tale of two wolves. Yep. So, you know, I love, I love telling this. I'll, I'll, I'll give the abbreviated version of the story, which I'm sure your audience has probably heard, but I'm, I'm going to just tell it again in case there's anybody out there that hasn't heard it. But the tale of two wolves is an old Cherokee parable where a grand and elder member of the tribe of the Cherokee tribe sitting with his grandson and they're sitting around the fire and he's telling his grandson that inside each of us exists two wolves and those wolves are in a constant battle they're in a they're in a constant struggle and a fight with one another and there's a wolf of light and a wolf of darkness there's a black wolf and a white wolf and the black wolf represents anger fear jealousy false pride, ego. And the light wolf, the white wolf, represents kindness, benevolence, empathy, love, compassion. And they're constantly fighting with one another. And the grandson looks up at his grandfather and he says, well, if these two wolves are constantly fighting, which wolf wins? And the grandfather simply looks at him and says, the one you feed the most. Right. 
right? So what we give our attention to wins. If we give our attention to negative energy, negative thoughts, negative thought processes, negative thought patterns, and we think about all the difficulties all the time, then that's what is going to be, our life is going to be consumed by. Of but course. if we give our attention <clears throat> to the right things and we realize that that's within our locus of control, then we're going to be moving in the direction of our choosing. So many people aren't, they, they feel like they might be in the driver's seat of their life, but they're not because they're allowing all these outside forces to control them. Of course. And so we talk about starving fear and feeding courage. Wow. And that's a really important concept that, you know, we try to deliver to as many people as we possibly can because that's locus of control, right? Life is, you know, 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond to it. Mm -hmm. But it's your ability to control those responses that dictate outcomes. Right, of course. But you got to have the right mindset to be able to control those responses. It's all mindset. It's all mindset, right? And a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of the things you read and hear, and even that that message right there goes back to you know you are you become what you think about, right? Right. So if you're focusing on the positive, you're focusing on the good, you're focusing on all those the the, the attributes of the white wolf, right? Then that's the way you're going to go. Mm -hmm. You focus the other way, you're going to go that way. You know, it's like perfect example. Like when I'm having a stressful day, whether it's about a loan or whatever it may be that I'm doing, I like try to just overly think positive thoughts, of course. <laughs> positive, 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 think good things, good things, good things. And then I'm not even, I'm not even kidding you. 95% of the time, the, the, the result is positive. Well, yesterday, both of us had a similar situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so what you're saying, it, it happens in real life. And for me, it was, I'm, I'm sure you've read that. If you read the book, The Secret, you ever read oh, yeah. that? Yeah. I, I read it like a couple times a year, right? Because I think it's a good refresher. And the, the basic message is be positive. Mm -hmm. And since I first read that book probably about a decade ago, I just put that into practice all the time. And things, things go the right way, mm -hmm. you know, when you really focus on it. Well, it's, I think it's about habits, routines, and rituals, yep. right? So the secrets, it, you know, the story, the, the, the movie, the documentary, the book, it's, it's phenomenal. I love everything about it because I think there's something to the power of intent. Mm -hmm. That being said... And I know you guys know this because I know you grind. There have to be the habits, routines, and rituals that follow that intent. Yeah, of course. Right? And so I think where so many people struggle is with they have this idea. They've, some people haven't done this, but if they've gotten to this step, which is they've carved out the space in their life where they have discovered what their passion is. Right? They've spent some time. They know who they are. They've discovered their why. I talk about knowing your why a lot. Yep. Because if you have purpose... Now you have motivation, right? So if you've carved that space out and you know your why, you kind of are moving your life in the direction of your choosing and you know where you want to be going, I think the next step really is to make sure that you're developing these habits. You can have the power of intent. You can make sure that you have positive internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. You have positive mantras. You're journaling. You're writing all these different things. But you've got to develop. You've got to be super intentional about your habits and the small wins make big wins and you know you think about being intentional anyone that's had any level of success it doesn't matter what it's been in it doesn't matter if it's some of your buddies at the crossfit gym it doesn't matter you know we're seeing some amazing things in fitness right now with the worlds of obstacle course racing and and, and um, crossfit like th those bookends now they've yep. just expanded the whole world of fitness and what people are accomplishing is unbelievable but all that's with intent in business it's with intent if you're having a successful family life, which for me is incredibly important, that's with that's very, very intentional. You know, and I posted something the other day, show me your calendar, I'll show you what your priorities are. Right, I yes. thought that was right. awesome. Yeah, that, yeah, I saw so that too, yeah. 
it's it's so true. And so one of the things I want to talk about is protecting space. Do me a favor before you do that, right? Can you talk about intent for a second? Yeah. Like what well, do you they, mean by intent? Yeah, they go hand in hand. Right. So intent, intent is having a clear vision mm-hmm. that you've developed and that you continue to develop over and over and okay. over and over again. And I'll give you an example of intent that I think is will help your audience put a clear picture to it. It's got a big name attached to it, so they'll it, they'll remember it. A good friend of mine, his name's Alan Stein. Okay, he just wrote a book called Raise Your Game. Yep, amazing book. I'll give him a little plug there. He was a performance trainer, performance coach in the world of basketball. Um, now he's taken he's taken off into the world of uh, of speaking. But he he told me the story. I was sitting in, in in talking with him, and he told me the story about when he was a performance basketball coach. He was uh, he was working with some of the best athletes in the world. He was at this Nike camp, and Kobe Bryant was going to be going, you know, working out early in the morning. Yep. So he showed up because he wanted a chance to meet him, talk to him. So the workout was supposed to start at 4 a.m. Allen got there at 3.30, thinking he'd be there super early. He was already in a full sweat. Wow. Kobe was already in a full, yep. s- full sweat, probably started at 3 a.m. And he saw him, and he watched him all the way till 6 a.m., doing the, the most rudimentary, fundamental drills you could ever possibly fathom. Right. And he's sitting there watching him, and he's like, I, I don't, I mean, this guy's the best basketball player in the world. What is he doing? So afterwards, he got a chance. He said, hey, Kobe, you know, it's taking notes, this and that. Somebody that shows up that early is like, yeah, I'm going to give you my right. time. You know, good on you. And so Kobe said to Alan, you know, Alan, Alan asked him, he said, you're the best basketball player in the world. Why are you doing the most rudimentary, fundamental, basic drills over and over and over again? And he simply looked at him and he said, why do you think I'm the greatest basketball right. player in the world? Right. Master the basics. Right. Master the fundamentals. That's, that's intent. That's yep. Right? Like, that's intent. Being very intentional over and over and over again. Yep. So when I think of intent, I think that's what I think That's a good of. way of describing it. All right. Because I wanted, I wanted the message to be out there, you know, for the folks listening, mm-hmm. knowing exactly what you mean by that. Clearly. Right. Okay. There's the intent. So I feel like we went 100 miles forward, and I want to backtrack <laughs> it a little bit. Um, just because I want to know more about who Mike is. Okay. I want to know, uh, has this Mike, ha- have you been like this your whole life? Or was it something that just clicked one day, and you, w- you woke up, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put all this effort into this. Or, I don't know, you guys know each other your whole life. I was going to say, he's always been kind of been like That's what I'm saying. I I don't know, so I I really want to know because everything you've you've said so far, I feel like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm resonating with. But I really want to know who Mike is. Um, What age did did you figure out, like, hey, this is who I'm going to be, and I'm going to just go full forward into, into my passion? I appreciate you asking that question. So... You know, I, I, I give you a little background. I grew up on the North Shore. Um, I grew up in Middleton, small town on the North Shore. Um, you know, Mike and I were rivals. I went to Masconom in high school. Mike went to North Andover. So, you know, we were rivals. And then when we went to college, we became, you know, really, really close really quick. Um, but for me, what, my lessons early on were, and, and, I, and I, I, I beat it into this generation, my lessons early on were that you're entitled to nothing. Right. Of course. And anything you get in life, you're going to have to work for. There's no such thing as a handout. You know, and I, and I heard, um, you know, your previous guest talk about participation trophies. And I spit my coffee out laughing because I was driving when he, when he was talking about it. There's no, there's no, no. participation yeah. trophies like, in the real right? world. Nope. Doesn't happen. <laughs> Doesn't happen. But, um, but so, I, you know, for me early on, fortunately, you know, my dad was a coach and drilled those lessons kind of into, you know, my brother and I early on. 
it was a super competitive environment for me growing up, sports-wise. Um, that's just what we did. It was our escape. Um, you know, for me, I had some, I would say, pretty severe learning disabilities. And so my outlet was sports. It was something that I that I could shine in, and I would get angry a lot. You know, I was called dumb in school a lot. I was called stupid. I, I had some difficulty with, with learning. And so for me, that was a way for me to channel my energy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I realized very quickly through sports that hard work paid off, perseverance paid off, that you could, you could outwork your teammates and your opponents and that you could get ahead. And that I saw the people start to sort of regress that weren't willing to put in the work. The mm-hmm. people that felt like, oh, I should just get playing time or I should just get this, they, they started to sort of regress and it, and it was a lesson that I just sort of naturally learned early on and it was a way for me when I was struggling in other areas of my life to, to get ahead in at least one area of, of, course. My, of my life and so that was something that always stuck with me and always resonated with me and I just that, that just became my mission mm-hmm. that just became my life's mission and you know for me I wanted to make a career out of playing sports that's what I wanted to do I said this is going to be my ticket this is going to be my outlet and as a young kid, I did, I did everything that you could possibly think to do to get yeah, That was going to be my next question. Like, what, what sports did you play? I, was, I played football, basketball, baseball. Okay. And people would ask me all the time, what's your favorite sport? Well, in the fall, it was football. In the winter, it was basketball. In right. the baseball, yeah. it, in the spring. You know, and I just, I always played those three sports. And then my sophomore year in high school, I had this, you know, really tragic injury. Um, they actually carried me off the football field. I, I didn't want to leave. I wouldn't. I wouldn't leave the field. I just kept hobbling and hobbling. I wouldn't. I kept. I went back in the huddle. I was a quarterback. I went back in the huddle. I was trying to call a play. I couldn't even walk. So one of the assistant coaches came and, and dragged me off the field, and um, that was the first time where I realized that you know this is this probably, you know, this might not work out. Anyways, long story short, <laughs> this um, could end quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, they they the, after going to a bunch of doctors and everything, they they told me not only would I not play sports again, but that I, that I wouldn't walk again. Wow. Right? And so, and this again. Is sophomore I, year. This is my sophomore year. Yeah. So I wouldn't walk again properly. They said, you're going to have some, there's some real bad damage to your knee. I had this rare bone disease called osteochondritis desiccans. They were going to have to do this very invasive surgery, take bone and cartilage out of one part of my leg and rehabilitate the other part of my leg. So it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. And they said, you know, you just, you're going to really struggle. So this was my first lesson that, and I, and I talk about this to today, and especially with the groups that we work with with Get Burley. There's two things that happen in life. There are stories that are told to you, and there are the stories that you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. And when, you're, when you decide to be the narrator of your own life, and you don't listen to the naysayers, you find a way to ignore that, and you tap into your indomitable will, it's unbelievable what you could accomplish. So we'll just, we'll say, we'll just say that that was my mindset. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dr. Lyle McKaylee, amazing doctor over at Boston Children's, one of the best in the area. You know, that's kind of what, you know, he's just being honest based on the medical diagnosis. That's what it was. And uh, I said, I just said, no, like that's not going to be. <laughs> Unacceptable. Yeah, that's not an option. So I trained like an absolute animal. I found every way I could. When I would go to rehabilitation, I would finish my training session. And then I would ask, what time do you guys close? I said, Why? Do you mind if I stay in the background and do all the exercise you just showed me until they would close? So my appointment would be at, say, 6 o'clock finish at seven, they'd be open till 10, and I would just stay in the back until it closed. Yeah. And, the, you know, this is like my sophomore year. So they're like, this is kid, what is it? 15-year-old <laughs> yeah. kid. So, but it was just, it was just, I, that's not, it wasn't what I was going to write for myself. So 
Fast forward junior year, I was back on the field starting all three sports, football, basketball, baseball. I got starting positions in all three. But to, to be honest with you, I was never the same. I was never the same athlete. I just couldn't do the things that I, right, that I could do before. What do you think it was? Mentally? No, it was, it was the injury. Like, I couldn't, you know, I was just like, you know, dunking as a sophomore. I was running a 4 five forty. I was just, I, just, I wasn't as fast. I wasn't as explosive. I just, just, there were physically things that I couldn't okay. do. However, I accomplished my goal of getting back out there. And I learned a very valuable lesson about hard work, perseverance, and determination. And I learned a very valuable lesson about the stories that you tell yourself versus the stories that other people tell you. And so some of those seeds were, were sort of planted early on there. And then, you know, there weren't a lot of people telling me that uh, I was going to go to college, you know, right. it, based on those learning disabilities and some of the struggles I was having. People were like, like, don't go to college. There's no way you should go to college. And so then really, once I realized, yeah, it's not something I talk about yeah. a lot, but for me, you know, there were a lot of doubters and, and there were a lot of, there was a lot of negativity regarding academics and those types of things. And so it became a challenge for me mm -hmm. um, to go to college and to find a way to be successful. And, you know, at that point in time, you know, Plymouth State was, was literally the only school I got into. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to learn while I'm here. And so, you know, I, I, again, those were the stories that people were telling me. And I was going to tell myself some other stories. So I don't, you, you know, back in college, I used to, I used to bury myself in that library. I used to, I, I had no idea. All the time. I had no idea of that, the yeah. learning disabilities. Yeah. So but, I used to, I used to bury myself in the library and I just made it a point, like I'm going to graduate high honors. Yep. And so that was my goal. And I did. Um, and you know, nobody in my family had ever gone to college. And so for me, that was, you know, that was like a, a big goal. And I knew, I knew early on that I wanted to, to, to give back somehow. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I knew that I wanted to be in a position where I could present to people, where I could give back to people. And so I set a goal. So the big goals in my life were getting back on the field and, and kind of overcoming that injury, did it. Learning how to learn, graduate with honors, do it well, do it to the best of my ability, did it. And then I said, before I'm 21, I want to travel the world. There you go. Wow. Why? Because I want to be able to deliver something of value to people. So I took about two years of planning and figuring it out. And then I did that semester at sea program. Yep. So I was able to get accepted into a, a program called semester at sea. And prior to turning 21 was able to circumnavigate the globe, Japan, China, Vietnam, awesome. Malaysia, India, Kenya, South Africa, Brazil, Cuba. Awesome. And um, for me, that goal was based around, I want to be able to deliver something of value to people, but what's my experience in the world? Right. And so I was kind of I was thinking about other, you know, different things than my peers were thinking about at the time, but I just kept wanting to think bigger. And um, so I was able to do that. And then when I came back from that, it's like, well, what the hell is next? You know, right. I just yeah. saw the world. And I was like, well, now I got to deliver. So, but I didn't have any money, right? So we all had to go through those different things. Like, right. I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't have any money. Of like, course. I literally had. But the cool thing was I got that, that whole experience paid for. I didn't pay anything for that. That's incredible. Because I just, I just worked and found a way, loans scholarships, you know, for two years, I just buried myself. So I, at least I didn't, you know, I had no debt from that, but you know, I had no money finishing up school. So I was like, all right, what's the best way to make money sales. Right. So right away, which had nothing to do with my passion, right. had nothing to do with, doesn't sound like, like, it. yeah, not at all. But I knew that you gotta, you gotta go out there and you gotta make stuff happen. Like I don't come from anything. There's nobody, nobody's helping me. Yep. So got involved in a, a sales job right away early on, you know, like everything. Cold calling, closing your own deals, going to the appointment, booking your appointment, setting the appointment, like here's the board, you know, marking it all off, you know, 150 calls a day, get your nose, get closer to a yes, all that kind of stuff. So I learned about that, that grind, you know, 
And I'll never forget, like, you know, I made some money. I, I made a little nest egg for myself yep. over uh, about a year and a half. And then I was like, this, I got to do, you know, now I got to get to my Right. You know, now passion. I got to do what I really right. want to do. So I applied to Teach for America. <laughs> yep. Uh, Teach for America, the whole, bridge, the whole idea of Teach for America is bridge, bridge the achievement gap between disadvantaged and advantaged kids. So I'll never forget telling my sales manager, I'm, I'm like, I just want to be up front with you. I'm going, I don't know, you know, I'm, who knows what will happen, but I'm going to this interview. And he's like, what? He's like, you're the Cy Young. You just won the rookie of the year. Look at the board. You're number one on the board. You're making more money than any sales agent that I have right now. How, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I understand, but this, this work is, is literally, it, it's, I did the best I could here. It's, yeah. It served a certain purpose. I'm glad I was able to make everybody else some money too, but like, I, I got to do this. Well, that was just for you to get to yeah, right. the, the end where you wanted to get But to. they were like, what are you, Gandhi? Like, what are you going to go save the world? You know, of course, I got all that stuff. I mean, you know that, you know that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the environment. So it was so funny. I'll never forget it's Prudential Center, and I'm up there, and everybody's Ivy League. You know, it's like right. 15,000 people applied, 1,500 were accepted. It was based on performance, per- perceived leadership potential. Are you, can you go into an inner city area <laughs> and lead young students to a better life? Like, can you do that? Right. You know, and so it's like early introductions were hysterical. You know, it's like... Harvard, MIT, Yale, Brown, and then they come to me. I'm like Plymouth State, <laughs> <laughs> Plymouth State College. <laughs> but again, I walked into that interview with this mentality, with this attitude. Like I had, I was feeding myself courage. This was before I even like understood that concept of the old Cherokee parable. But I was feeding myself courage on the way in. Like I don't care where these people are from. I know I'll deliver more value to them, and I'm going to convince everyone in this room of how I'm going to do it. Right. That goes back to the same thing I always say. Don't worry about the competition. Competition doesn't matter. Only worry about yourself. Right. Exactly. Because that's what you can control. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And so I was able to to get in, which was unbelievable. They sent me to Houston, Texas. And for two years, um, I I served uh, 6th through 8th grade room, uh, classroom full of just the craziest, most unbelievable, incredible kids. Tough, tough environment. I was in the fifth ward in Houston, Texas. It's just a, it's a real tough area. It was an eye-opening experience for me. I was the only white person, it, like, in the school. Wow. Um, so that was interesting because I had never lived as a minority. I mean, right. we grew up in generally the same area, went yeah. to the same college. Yep. Not a lot of diversity. No, none. Right? So for me, I had seen some diversity and learned a lot when I had done semester at sea, but I hadn't lived as a minority. Right. And that was a hugely eye-opening experience for me. Mm. And most of these kids came from abject poverty. They, you know, poverty cyclical, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I have a two-year commitment to make. I'm going to expose these kids to the world. I'm going to expose them to, to the, the world outside of the fifth award of Houston, Texas, right. to the best of my ability. And, you know, the measuring stick then was something called the tax, which is Texas Assessment and Knowledge Skills. Um, when I got in, less than 15% of my students were passing that. In when I left in two years, over ninety five percent of my students wow. passed. Wow, that's amazing. So it was it was just that became my mission, you know. And people told me again, "You're crazy. What are you going to do? You're going to leave. You're leaving this high paying job. You're going to Texas. You don't even know these kids. How are you going to relate to these kids?" And I'm like, "It's important to me. I'm going to find a way." So in those by, by then you were probably saying, you know, I, people just keep telling me I can't yeah, do things. This is I'm, what I want. Okay, here we go again. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, right. you, it becomes one of those things. But it was funny too because I had. You know, I was in my rebel phase then. I had the longer hair, and, I, and there was a group of girls. They were really struggling, and they were like, we need some motivation. And I said, all right, because, you know, they, a lot of the, my students had their hair in cornrows. Yep. So I was like, I will let you literally braid my hair, cornrow, whatever you want. If you get 95%, <laughs> if, if the, class, the whole class, like, can get that, 
then then we'll do it. And that became like the big motivational right. factor. So that that second June when we finished up, I left school with my hair. My <laughs> hair was all in cornrows, this and that. Everybody's like, That's I cannot awesome. believe you did that. But it's like whatever it takes. Well, you right? got to find you got to find their motivation. What, what can I get right. the, to, to? What can I do to get them moving? Right. So you you know your original question, what, you know, team building, leadership development. What were some of these early experiences that helped me to sort of cultivate and culminate that? These, these were those experiences and, and, and seeing people come from dark situations and pulling them out of it and finding a way to, to help them change their story. Right. Like here's the story that society's telling you. What is the story you're telling yourself? And that's the more powerful one. That's the one that changes you. That's the one that makes a difference. And own that story, you know, like dominate it. Find a positive and a negative, right? Right. So... You know, that, that was kind of some of the early stuff. Then I came back home again, and it was like, all right, I got to make some more money. So I became a registered broker, got my Series 7, got my Series 63, did the whole suit and tie thing, Boston, big job, real estate investment firm, and did really, really well there for about another two years. And I was like, I got to do <laughs> what I, now? I got to do meaningful work. So I bumped into an old coach, um, and he's like, you know, he's like, you, you, you got to be impacting people. You got to be in front of people. So... Did really well in that job and again went back to a teaching coaching and then uh, fast forward to the start of Get Burley. I coached um, 40 consecutive seasons of high school sports, football, basketball, baseball, won multiple league and state championships. It was it was a great run. You know, I co got to coach in the Boston Garden. I got to coach in Gillette a bunch of times. Wow, that's um, awesome. So 40, what was that, like a decade? Football, basketball, baseball. So I did the, the three sports. Right. And I did it for like, I don't know. 15, 10 years, right? Yeah, like More? 12, 12. Yeah. 15 years between between 12 and 15 years yeah. I think yeah so and that brought me to get burly and I just you know I wanted to do something more I want to culminate all these different experiences and I wanted to provide people something of, of tremendous value so that's kind of how get burly was formed yeah and that's what that's what brought me to it and you know the reason why I get burly is because <laughs> I mean I've been saying this forever it's just kind of a saying when I started to think about my company I was like one of my buddies Dana yeah McLaughlin yeah yeah it's like, dude, you got to call it Get Brilliant. You've been saying that forever. Like anytime we would do something epic, like some super challenge, like we're going to go hike Mount Washington. We're going to go, you know, snowboard off of Tuckerman's Ravine. Like anytime we would conquer like some epic challenge, we'd be like, what are we going to do? Let's go get burly. Let's go get burly. Yeah. And it was something that stuck. And it was like, you know, I kind of looked up the definition, strong, sturdy, well-built. I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to help people to develop strength from the inside out. And so that's kind of how it was born. And then from there, it just became something where I started providing, you know, experiences for people, experiences where I would take them way outside their comfort zone and help them to realize what's possible. You know, like what? Give us an example. What would you do in those cases? Uh, <laughs> well, the first one we ever did was I had done, so you had mentioned Spartan SGX, mm -hmm. done a lot of Spartan races. I was involved in Spartan early on. And one of the cool things, and this is a good business lesson, actually. So Joe DeSena, the, the founder of Spartan Race, I've been fortunate to be able to develop a relationship with him over the years. There was a Spartan race held in Amesbury early on, and there was a hurricane. And so everyone that was signed up on that Saturday's race was all geared up, all fired up to do it. Hurricane comes in. Now, the people at Spartan are normally, they're, they're going to you're gonna, you're gonna run they're through gonna it. They're going to continue to right. do it. Yeah, they're going gonna to run through everything. But he had to cancel it, like the weather it's warnings and everything. Yeah. And so he sent out an email, personal email. This is, again, early days of Spartan, coming from the CEO, saying that, number one, I'll reimburse you. You, you, you can choose any race you want in the future. It's on me. But number two, if you want to come in and race Sunday's race before the races start, you can meet me personally at 4 a.m. and we'll run the course prior to Sunday's races. So, of course, me, I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, perfect. Like, yeah. yeah. No perfect. big deal. So 
we, we ran through the course and now with Spartan race, the normal way you do it is if, if you fail an obstacle, you have to do 30 burpees. Right. So Joe just decided, well, we're just going to do 30 burpees before we even do the obstacle. So at every single, single obstacle, we did the 30 burpees oh, first terrible. and then did it. <laughs> it was like, how many obstacles? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Probably 18, 20. So it was Jesus. a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of burpees. It was very intense. But anyways, I got through that experience and I, I just was like, wow, you know, and I just, I just learned so much about grinding and, and just grit and getting yeah. through something, you know, if you're, if you have the right mindset, again, reinforce these, these kind of lessons. And so I said to him, you know, I just started this company, Get Burley. I'd love the opportunity to take a group through a race. And he said, why don't you bring them up to, I have a farm up in Pittsfield, Vermont. Why don't you bring them up there? We can do like an overnight. You can put them through. I've got a bunch of obstacles behind my house and there's a, there's a big mountain up there. So I took an entire football team. It's like, I don't know, 70 kids up to his house. And we did this. I went up uh, two weekends in a row before we went up and kind of mapped it all out. And just took them through like, you know, this crazy series of challenges up and down that mountain over obstacles, working together. They had no choice but to work together to make it happen. And, you know, it was crazy because it was a weekend full of these experiences. And I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, so how do you feel about third and short now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a big deal? Yeah. They're like, that's nothing. Like, it's like what we can accomplish when we work together. And, you know, that next year is when we, you know, we made it all the way to Gillette. And awesome. it was a, it was pretty cool to hear the kids reflect upon that experience in terms of them getting through some of the tough points in the season. Right. You know, so that's because well, it's it's you reference that back in your mind. Like I, I do that even with like just CrossFit workouts. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, if I can get through that, I can get through this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's one of the biggest things. Like um, at least for me, I, I always re- uh, correlate business to CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um mental wise because if i can get through some of these workouts where i feel like i'm literally about to die this is not <laughs> this is nothing <laughs> like like i just gotta remain calm mm-hmm. because in crossfit or in sports in itself if you remain calm you get through it mm-hmm. same concept here is the way we were talking about it yesterday just remain calm right that's it just remain calm and, and one and foot in front it. of the next exactly so um you were talking about you know team building and, and, and growing a culture and it's something that me and mike talk about all the time is um you know in sales it's a very individual job you know you 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 get what you put in and in your production is your production um so we always talk about i was just working for the bigger name and just and just you know the more we grow the bigger the bigger name you grow individually as well. Like like for the team, what do you right. mean? Like exactly. like if we if we're working for the company, right? Company growth, mm-hmm. then us individually will grow. It's the same as a as a team. You know what I mean? Same as your your football teams. I'm Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Well, you know the concept. If if you think about it, it's name recognition. You're developing a brand, right? And so there's a certain brand of football that the right. Patriots play. There's a certain brand of baseball that the Red Sox play. There's a certain brand of business here at Premier. You know, there's a certain there's a certain expectation that people are going to have based on your level of professionalism over the years. And now they know when I get a phone call from this company, I'm gonna I better damn well listen, right? Because I'm gonna get a lot of benefit out of it. Yep. And so it's the same concept. And when you and that's developed with intent, just like we talked about. That's mm-hmm. in, you're intentional about how you develop that, and that takes a team. That takes a buy-in, that takes commitment, and you can't have one foot in and one foot out. You gotta have both feet in. And so that can be cultivated just like anything else can be cultivated, but it has to be with intention. Right. So so what are some of the ways that you and Get Burley help companies do that as well? That's a great question. So 
it's, it's interesting because we'll go back to what I was talking about, protecting space. So protecting space as an individual and also protecting space within your company. And what I mean by that is, you, you know, you're hearing a lot of people talk in the realm of success now about evening and morning rituals mm-hmm. and setting up your day, Yep. right? But the only way you can do that is if that space is tremendously protected. And what I mean by that is setting up your morning ritual with an evening ritual. Okay. Okay. So I'll just give you an example, like for me, what that means. So in a company, in your life as an individual, I try to bend time. So I like to think of my one day and in any one day, I'm going to live four days. Okay. And that's, that's how I look at it. And that's how I look at kind of hacking time to be able to be more productive and to create my own legacy. You want your legacy for yourself, with for your family, and then also your business, your business's right. legacy. And so- Tell for, me about this, I need more time. So <laughs> tell, me, tell me how you're bending time. So, well, because for me, I want to, you know, I want to be the best husband I can be. Yep. I want to be the best father I can be. That's number one mm-hmm. for me. But I also want to be very successful and I want to serve as many people as I possibly can. And through that service, become successful. And, and that takes a lot of, that takes being very deliberate and intentional. So to get back to your question, protecting space with, through habits, routines, and rituals. So your evening rituals set up your morning ritual. And so for me, that means that I'm doing certain things. What does that mean? Sorry. It's all right. We're, we're all trying to figure out like, whose phone, whose phone. Up over here. <laughs> I, I can edit. So, so uh, the evening rituals, setting up the morning rituals. So making, so for me, the least decisions I have to make, the better, right? So my workout, like the first thing I do, I work out in the morning, right? So my workout clothes, boom, ready to go. I don't have to think about it. They're all laid out, ready yep. to go. My lemon juice is already squeezed. Like I have fresh lemon juice and water with Himalayan sea salt. That's my thing. That's the first thing I put into my body every single morning. That It's already laid out. The salt's right there. The water that I like to drink, the lemon's already squeezed, right? Now, I like to journal in the morning. My journal's already open to the page, right? I have three targets that I'm going to hit every single day. Those are already mapped out with a checkbox next to them. I'm old school. I don't necessarily like to use the apps for that kind of stuff. I believe in electronics. There's a lot of power to it, but I, I like the, the old pen and paper. Yep. You know, I was originally an English major. I taught English. That's the first subject I taught. And over and over and over again, the studies have proven that the muscle memory between, you know, your mind, the, the mind-body connection of actually doing that, it sticks. So I'm old school like that. So I have all that stuff ahead of time. That, that's done in the night, right? That's already done so that I can live, so I can have my four days in one day. Now I'll tell you about my four days. It could be three days. It could be two days, right. however you want to set it up. But so the way I look at a day and I cultivate this purposefully, which can help, you know, in your personal life, but also with your business especially if you get all the players on your team buying into this concept and what is, how does it work for them, for them to be most productive to serve, to serve the business, to serve yep. their family, to serve their passions, to serve their whys. Of course. So for me, what that looks like is every, every day without fail, 4 a.m. I'm up at 4 a.m. I don't hit the snooze button. That snooze button doesn't, that, 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 that doesn't work with me. I'm a firm believer that if you live for Saturday and Sunday, there's something wrong with your life. Yep. I'm, I want to be jacked about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like I get out of the, I get out of bed in the morning and I'm, I'm like raring to go. Yeah. So 
water. It's funny, Mike. I'm going to interrupt you for one second, right? So before you came in, I said this is going to be good. I said this kid's. <laughs> I said this kid's intense. I said he's going to say some real intense shit because he always has. He did 20 years ago, and it's the exact same thing. I love it. I'm over here like taking notes. Like I love it. Class, I love it. You know? I'm getting fired up. Right. I'm um, up at four. No snooze button. I'm out yeah. of the bed. Well, you don't. You don't. If I you're excited it. about life, I love it. And you're tapped in, and you you want to go attack the day. You want. Yeah. You want to get after yeah. it. But that's 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 intentional. So that's all that's having that stuff the night before. Like I have my three big targets, so I know what they are. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about hitting them. That's right. a, it's a challenge that I want to meet. And so so for me, four to eight, the hours from four a.m. to eight a.m. That's me. That's that's Michael Karen time. Yep. That's developing me. That's taking care of myself. That's mentally. That's physically. That's spiritually. That's emotionally. So putting something healthy into my body right away. Water, sea salt. Fresh squeezed lemon juice. That's the first thing. Every single morning, it's the first thing I put in because that's when we're most dehydrated. Yep. First thing I put in. Then after that, I take a hot shower. And when I'm in the hot shower, if you were anywhere near me, you'd be like, what the f- is going on with this guy? Because I'm always, I'm very vocal about my, my dialogue. Some people have internal, you know, dialogue. I'm like talking. I'm like, I have my mantras that I say, my positive, you know, I'm... If you, you know, sometimes my wife will wake up early because the baby's up and she'll hear me in there. She's like, what the hell is going on in there? You know, because I'm like, you are, I'm a lion. I'm powerful beyond measure. I will impact the change I wish to see in this world and in myself. I say that every morning. I say that every morning. And I talk to myself about success and I talk about how I'm going to attack my goals. And I just, I build my, I start building myself up. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's always something positive into my mind. So I've been talking. Now I'm going to put new information into my mind. So that might be that I read something or a lot of times I listen to podcasts. Yeah, okay. And then especially listen to them on the way to my gym. So I, I usually pick up my my trainer, my, my top guy. Um, first thing in the morning, we go to the gym together. And then from 5.45 to 7.45, it's a two-hour that's already, like I said, the night before it's all mapped out. I don't have to think about it. That you know exactly out. what you're going to yeah, do. Yeah, and I'm absolutely hammering it as hard as I possibly can for those two hours. Um, so that's four to eight, right? That's That's day one. Day two is about serving, <coughs> serving the people. It's serving people that in some way, shape, or form I can impact through Gip Early. It's mm-hmm. all about service, serving other people, right? Then from 12 to 4, it's like new business, trying yep. to prospect, trying to find ways to reach somebody that I haven't reached yet, right? And then from 4 to 8, it's 100% family time. Yep. When I drive home, that phone, it's already off. Before I walk in, it's off because it's a distraction. Yep. It's a distraction. So from four to eight, that's just 100% family time because I know that's the window I have with my family and I want to be 100% present and it aligns with my value system. And so, and then usually at eight o'clock, that's when everybody's kind of quiet down. I'll take that time period and I'll, and I'll rewrite the stuff that I have to do for tomorrow. So, but for me, those, you know, it's not like I just hit those three, but for those three things that I have to do, there's a sense of urgency behind it because if I don't get those done by four, they're not getting done. Right, you only have that much but I'm time. pumped to do it right. because I want to be able to spend that valuable time. So that creates that sense of urgency, like I gotta do so because I, I want to be a hundred. I want to be the best dad I can be. I want the best husband I can be. So there's a sense of urgency to get that stuff yeah. done by a certain time frame. You know, because a lot of us, in, you know, in business. The, the rules that we have, we have to set them for ourselves. There's not like a deadline. There's no one telling you what to yeah. do. It's, the, you, yeah, and it's so all how self, do you, self-motivated, right, self-designed. So, so how do you create your sense of urgency? For me, that's 
spending authentic time with my family. There's no better motivator that exists for me. But no, people no. have to find that what that is for them, and they have to find out what their priorities. And you can chunk time through your day and look at it like, I mean, some people don't do those things in a whole week. You know, mm -hmm. spend authentic time with their family, have a great freaking workout where they crush it, listen to something inspirational, serve your current people, find ways to serve more people. Yep. Some people might go a couple months and not do that. I think that's great advice. I mean, you need to, you need to have, I, I know I personally need to have more, more structure. You know what I mean? Before I try, but my shit runs sideways mm -hmm. and then it's going this way and that way. And having structure like that makes it so that you can be more efficient. And I liked your idea of saying that you have to, and you have to have that urgency because once you hit eight or noon or four or whatever it is, then that's done. You're on, right. the, you're on to the next. It's creating your own schedule yeah. pretty much. But, but the way you do that is by protecting space. Mm -hmm. yep. So protecting that space in the evening and that space in the morning yep. where you, 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 you know, you're setting up your day, you have your habits, routines, and rituals that are put into place, and then you're just you're, you're on it. And for different people, that's going to look, you know, that's going to look a little bit different. But I think you have to be really, and when I, and the other thing I, I think about protecting your space that a lot of people need to, to focus on is that technology is, it's a double-edged sword. I agree. Mm -hmm. It can really- It can take over. Well, it can control you. Right. Are you in control of the technology or is it in control of you? And the biggest mistake I see people hap see happening with people that are really, they're trying to be successful, they're doing a great job in so many different areas, but the first thing that's happening when they wake up is they're becoming reactive because the first thing they're doing is they're looking at their phone. Immediately. Well, what is it What is it that they call it? Technology hypnosis. Yes. Right? And you're, you're becoming reactive. You don't want to be reacting to, you want to you be the agent of change. You're right. the one that's driving the the forces in your life. You're in the driver's seat of your own life, not some some tool that you're responding to. Oh, here's this email that I have to read. No, what was what were my targets? What was I focused on right. today? I think the problem there though is that that in tell me what you think about this because I hate it. I feel like it's become that society expects and, and everybody expects immediate responses. So then people get almost like afraid to not respond to that email or text message or whatever it may be within five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was that way for a long time. And I'd probably say over like the last even just just a year, maybe a little bit longer, I've been like, okay, that can wait right now. Mm -hmm. I need to do this. Like that's not going to completely derail me and send me in ten different directions. No, because that can happen. And you're probably more successful now as a result of that perspective. Switch. I'm a hell of a lot less stressed. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Which leads to pro less yeah. stress leads to more pro productivity. Yeah, I mean, and that is success in an, in and of itself. Being less stressed. Yes. Because being stressed is not success. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like with you, we could have like five, six episodes and maybe <laughs> like a million more. Um, My wife always tells, she's like, can you not talk so much on this one? No, it's when great. No, it's great. No, she says, she's like, you always, you just go on and on and on. Because I've, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to be on a few a bunch of different podcasts now and she, she'll always listen and she's like you do so great but you just go on I said I can't help it I get excited about no, it's good. As you're talking I'm looking at you just like soaking it up and I'm like yeah fantastic. taking notes and stuff so um, I guess just to cap it off um, what, would, what would be the one advice that you that you would give someone trying to uh, start a new venture trying to maybe get into a new industry a new sport start a new uh, hobby for that matter what would be the one advice that you would give someone that's looking to start something new I would say before you're before you're ready to make a switch or make a jump, to, to really make sure you carve out a little bit of space to get some clarity around your whys. And I use the word plural, whys. And those change over time. But at, mm -hmm. at this particular stage of whoever's life it is, you got to get some real clarity around what's important to you. 
and and now especially now more than ever and that's why that's why at get really we want to help people to develop strength from the inside out so they know who they are so many people's sense of self-worth and self-value is dependent on what others think say or feel about them especially in the social media world that we live in i mean so many people are wrapped up in the amount of followers they have you know, a girl posts a picture of her ass on Instagram and gets 5,000 likes. What's her talent? Right. I know. I, I don't know. Squats. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Plastic you know? surgeon. So <laughs> I think people are, are, are too caught up in that. You know, a lot of people are too caught up in that. I, so, I think it's even like when people will post something, right? And I've seen people do this. And I got sucked. I've gotten sucked <laughs> in this. And then I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? This is crazy. Like, you'll post something. Then you, like, keep looking to see how many times people are liking yeah. it and shit. Well, it's a dopamine It's like, why do hit. I need to be validated by, like, other people in the world yeah. liking the picture of my puppy? Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? A, like, <laughs> I mean, a, Frankie's famous. So. <laughs> it's a dopamine hit. I mean, people yeah. are enamored by what they don't know when they don't know what's going to happen i'm going to post something over and over again i'm going to post a pic i don't it's the element of i don't know how many people are going to like this right and so there's this interest there's this draw to it but so to answer your question i think it's so important for people to to really carve out some space and decide how they feel about themselves mm -hmm. at their current moment at this current moment in their life independent of what other, what anybody else thinks and once you carve out that space and you're living authentically and you're coming from a place of real authenticity, like, I don't know, let me ask you guys, when I'm in the room, do you feel a certain like level of authenticity? Absolutely. Oh my God, hundred like, percent. That's earned, yeah. right? Like, so that's who, this is who I am. I, there's, I can't, I'm not going to sell mortgages. I, right. I'm not going to do that. You guys are going to freaking crush it and be rock stars at that. That's not who I am. I try to be where my feet are and, and, and live as authentically as I can. So when pe so I would say first carve out that space and find out what it is that your that is your passion, mm -hmm. and then from there, fortune favors the brave and well prepared. Dare to be great and then fucking crush it. Like just go for it. Like stop. So many people, so many questions. Stop with all the fucking questions. Like especially with fitness, people ask me fitness all the questions. Go go work out. Let's go do something. Yeah, right? go get up. Move movement. Yeah. You know. Yeah. One of the, I, I love this, you know, Joe DeSena, the, the founder of Spartan Race, he says this all the time. He's instead of ready, aim, fire, he says fire, aim, ready. I agree a thousand just percent. Go. You gotta go. Just do it. You just gotta do it. You don't need to plan everything out. Just go. Just do something. And you'll learn. You'll stumble and you'll fall and you'll yep. learn along the way. And that's fine. Yeah, that's it's because stumbling is part of getting better. Right. It's, it's like, all part of the process. So get some clarity around it and then have the courage dare to be great fortune favors the brave and well-prepared i say that, I, I probably say that at least once a day to people you know you just you got to get after it yeah. right just got to do it another question for you right regarding your your retreats your everything you do with get burly yeah tell tell everyone before we wrap up like what type of what type of groups what type of businesses yeah. what like what, what who should reach out to you well i appreciate that hopefully we're going to do one with this group i right want here. to we're no, not we, we, so we, we, we're uh, going to yep we you know it, any team that's looking to develop that common bond, develop okay. that group cohesion, to a group of people that wants to develop a culture that understands how to work together to achieve common goals. I mean, okay. really, that's what we're looking to do. And, you know, for certain people, they want that physical component to it. For other groups, that's not really part of it. They want to develop the mental toughness, the emotional resiliency. They want to develop the leadership skills. They want to learn about the habits, routines, and rituals that lead to success. They want to learn how to support each other, what it, what it looks like on a day-to-day -day basis 
to have people hunting together on the same mission. You know, I go back to that Kipling poem over and over and over yeah. again, right? Mm -hmm. The strength of the pack is the wolf. This is the law of the jungle, as old mm -hmm. and as true as the sky. And mm -hmm. those that shall keep it will prosper, but those that shall break it must die. Yeah. For the creeper that girdled the tree trunk, this law runneth forward and back. The strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. You know? Nice. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. 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 So, like, to get any group that's really looking to work, like, do you're hunting on the same mission, yep. right? Yeah, of course. I love wolves. That's why, you know, I, I gave that old Cherokee parable earlier, too. I just love the idea of hunting together on a, on a similar yeah. mission. Now, these, like, single-day single, single day retreats? Is it multiple-day so, retreats? Like, how do you... So it all works. We can come into a company. We can yep. do it right out of a company's workplace, and we can do a single-day workshop. Yep. Really get the team firing on all cylinders and kind of have an understanding of what it looks like to develop that culture and put in some, some habits, develop some non-negotiables together, things that we're going to decide that as a group we're not willing to bend on. These things are non-negotiable. This is what's going to take us to the next level, and we're all going to buy in and commit to doing this. I like it. So there's, you know, there's that single-day option. And some groups just, they want to add a little fun. Like, they want to ha add a, a, an element to it. Like, let's get out of our comfort zone. Let's get out of the office. Let's let's kind of get away. So one of the cool ones we do, and it's the, it's the ultimate sort of concept of working together, it's uh, a, a, a whitewater rafting retreat. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's fun. So we do a day of rafting eight people to a boat. If you're not all paddling in the same direction, it doesn't work. Just like in the office every single day, if we're not all paddling, one person's paddling the opposite direction, it's not working, right? right? So it's the you have the ultimate analogy, and we talk about that. We talk about that along the river. We watch the boats and how people are kind of flowing smoothly and working together. You're going to be out of your comfort zone a little bit, but it, so that also plays into it. Step outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Push yourself. Push your boundaries. It's okay to be scared. I try to scare myself every single day in some capacity, some way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. because I feel like that's how I continue to grow. So we get out there. We do a day on the river. We get by the fire at night. We, we kind of lay it all on the line. We have this great fireside chat ceremony that we do where people kind of open up a little bit, become vulnerable, and we learn more about each other, who we're working with, what we're like outside the office. Sounds amazing. And then when yeah, we know each other. Right? Awesome. I want to do it like well, when you today. Know, I am, right? When you know each other like that, you know, it's hard to know each other like that in the office every day. I'm sure you guys do a great job of developing a culture where you care about each other. But people don't care about what you have to say until they know you care for them. Of course. Right. You know, and so we want to develop that sort of understanding. We encourage vulnerability. We encourage people to open up a little bit. And then you're like, wow, damn, I didn't know this about him. Right. I didn't know this about her. Let, let's support her in that. And then when you have that level of support, guess who's showing up at the office every day? Absolutely. That much stronger to, exactly. like, get it done. Yep, tightens the bonds, tightens the relationships. Yeah. So yep. we have – so, and then we also have a retreat – a couple of retreat centers that we will offer stuff uh, if, pe if people don't have the space in their office or something like that. Um, one is in Georgetown at Camp Denison. The other one's in uh, Groveland, Massachusetts uh, at VC Park. So we do have a couple local retreat centers as well. Um, but people really like the uh, people like to get up to Maine and do a you know do a day I in the wilderness. That. It's I gorgeous that, up yeah. there too. So locally, you know, we do stuff all over the country. But locally, those are kind of those are some of our options. But essentially, anybody anybody that's has a group of, or a team that's looking to come together to you know, to achieve common goals. We had a, a corporate event last weekend, and then next weekend I got a, an athletic team of 50 high school baseball players that I'm working with. So any team really that wants to work together, there's so much crossover between athletic teams and corporate teams, and it just, it, it's really cool to see those two worlds kind of connect and, and what drives success in sport also drives success in business, and there's so much crossover there. That's awesome. So, all right, Mike, well, where can people contact you? Uh, what, what's your platforms, your main platforms, where we can uh, go in there and, and get more information? Uh, so everything's Get Burley. So it's just at Get Burley on Twitter, at Get Burley on Instagram, at Get Burley on Facebook. We also have a YouTube. People want to kind of check out some of our videos. We might... 
my wife is so amazing. She she does everything um, for the business, and I you know she <laughs> she's so talented in so many different ways. I mean, people see her on social media and they're like, wow, she's crushing life. She's an Iron Man. She's a great mom, but she's the clock that makes this business tick. And you know, she does video. She so all the all the stuff you see is all her. Sounds like Nicole Comerford. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, we need to get them two together. For Absolutely. Sure. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's all at Get Burley. And get then Burley. just GetBurley.com. So we try to keep it simple. Well, listen, awesome. we're, we're going to do this, guys. So yeah. get ready. <laughs> get ready. We're going to set it up. And then we'll be able to tell everyone else how awesome it is. Exactly. I, I'm like, I, I mean, if you can get me this pumped up just sitting in my conference room here doing this podcast, <laughs> I can't wait till I'm, we I'm spend, excited, yeah. you know, 24, 48 hours around each other. Yeah. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Karen. Yeah, Mike, thanks so much. Mike Comerford, this was awesome. Big Ed over there in the corner. Yeah. Juan Palacio, thank you so much for, for coming over and giving us some time, man. Appreciate thanks, it. All right, guys. Awesome thanks so much. Episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>